Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. We really missed doing this one last week because of the midweek recap. I know, but I can't say I was mad about it because I love the midweek recap so much. So as you guys know, we left off after episode one of season two of Courtney and Chloe Take Miami. So for this week, we're doing episodes two and three kind of combined. So this episode starts out Chloe in the studio and she's interviewing Tommy Lee, which there are some moments in these episodes from earlier in the seasons where you're like, how did it get this random? So unbelievably random, but I also feel like there must be some sort of LA connection between Chloe and Tommy Lee. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do wonder like her conversations with Michael Yo as the producer, how that was going down in terms of getting the guests, because I'm sure a lot of it has to be a combination of people that she really just knew in her own life. Right. I imagine so. It's also, it is very funny, like the absolute randomness of people that they get because it's rarely ever people that we know they're closely associated with. Yeah, I know. Also, I was thinking, looking at this now to now know that he's married to Brittany Ferlin, who really originated kind of as like a Vine star. It's just so crazy how the world works. The evolution of people is really funny watching these episodes. Like not even Courtney, Chloe, whoever, like not even the family, just anybody that makes a momentary guest appearance on this show to think about what they were doing at the time and where they are now is such a trip. Yeah. And so she's having this conversation with Tommy and it's kind of just about letting go in relationships and what they both kind of expect from their partners. And she's saying that, you know, she likes to really be clean shaven. And this is kind of setting the scene. I'm mentioning it only because it's really setting the scene for a big plot of the episode, which kind of just highlights the differences between her and Courtney as they approach relationships. Right. So next scene, she's on the phone with Lamar and he's coming to Miami for a day, which is a huge deal. She hasn't seen him in a while. And you can feel her excitement and kind of like, it really does feel in certain ways, like the relationship of that of a high school couple. And I say that as a compliment, actually, because I think that as you get older, sometimes that excitement can diminish and it's all still so new for them. 
Well, this episode more than anything else highlighted how new their relationship is, even though they're married. Beyond so. I mean, we'll get into that in a second. And I think that this next scene is even a good example of that because Chloe walks into the bathroom and Courtney's peeing, Scott's sitting there holding Mason. And Chloe cannot comprehend how Courtney could be so comfortable to like even just pee in front of Scott. I think it it genuinely like threw her for a loop. Yeah, because, well, as we know in this episode, she kind of gets into the fact that she would never do that in front of Lamar and their relationship is just not like that. And she doesn't really view it as like over time you get comfortable and nothing else matters and you can kind of do whatever. She views it very much as like, if you want to keep your relationship and that spark alive, then there has to be some like sense of mystery, especially in terms of like going to the bathroom in front of the other person. And I think for Courtney, everything about her life and about her relationships is just finding like the absolute most amount of comfort. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I feel like the way that they were in this episode was so true to how they are now. Obviously, I can't speak to exactly what Chloe is like in a relationship, but from what we have seen, to me, they didn't really stray from this. No, I don't think so at all. I think also just in general, Courtney, there's like an earthiness to her, you know, where she's probably less grossed out by things that Chloe maybe would be. I think also with Courtney specifically, it's like once you have a baby, once that person is in the delivery room, like what else is a secret? Right, exactly. And at this point, you know, this was definitely Chloe's most serious relationship thus far. And it just so happened to be her husband. Right, exactly. You know what it reminded me of also? I should have looked this up to find the exact quote because I could be a little bit off, but I don't think I am. I remember one time there was an interview between Ice T and Coco, and she was talking about how, you know, they've sustain this relationship for so many years. And her biggest piece of advice was very similar to what Chloe was saying of kind of like, there needs to be a little bit of that separation, which is the polar opposite of everything Courtney was communicating. Well, you know, I feel about Ice and Coco, the one couple that makes me believe in love. And honestly, I will stand by that. And I have seen them in person because they live in, I guess, Edgewater, Weehawken, one of those. And I have seen them before and you can sense their love in real life. I swear to God. I believe it. I believe it every single ounce of what you're saying right now. So next scene, they go car shopping. And the real point of the scene was kind of just to highlight the contrast between Courtney the last time they were here and then now, because previously she would have loved a sports car. That's what she would have gravitated towards. And now she needs to get kind of like a mom car. So she gets her version of that, which is a Porsche Cayenne. But just to watch not only her recognizing the change, but to me, what I love watching is Chloe recognizing the change in Courtney. Yeah, totally. Also, I feel like the ultimate dream, and maybe that's just for me, is just like the upgrade from sports car to Porsche Cayenne. Yeah. Kid or no kid, I'm choosing a Cayenne over a sports car any day. That's also just because I love SUVs. Right. I know you do. Also, what's funny about this episode is you kind of see Courtney toying with that idea of like, I don't want to be a lame mom. Like, I don't want this to be my whole life. And she goes through this whole thing. And obviously, we'll get into it as the episode goes on. But I genuinely feel like this episode was the only time she had that struggle. And then after that, it was like, no, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. I mean, we talk about this a lot with Courtney, that her transition into motherhood was so seamless. Not that it wasn't for the rest of them. And obviously, we don't know the intimate details. But we kind of just always got that sense that like she was really born to do this, which by the way, I don't know if we would have said that before she actually had kids. It was only once I saw her with child that I really realized how inherently maternal a lot of her characteristics are, where I would not have said that about her previously. No, I wouldn't have either. I think that specifically with her, she wasn't very maternal. And you see that in that episode where her and Scott are babysitting and she's kind of freaking out because she has no idea what to do. And he's the one that's really able to 
step in and be with the kids and have that paternal figure while Courtney is really freaking out about having kids. And what's interesting is that I think something just switched for Courtney and it was like, everything was kind of leading up to this. And I understand like, it gave her a real purpose, which I think she didn't necessarily feel like she had before. Yeah. You know, also you're right when you said earlier about how this was one of the only times you can recall noticing that struggle. And when I think about it, and I know we'll get into this later on, because it wasn't just about the car. It was also about her, you know, not wanting to lose the side of herself that was like a little bit of a partier. There was a part of me that felt in this episode where she wasn't even necessarily having the internal struggle. It was like, she felt like she should have that struggle because she felt like maybe she should miss that side of herself more. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah. So next thing they go lingerie shopping and basically Chloe, you know, wants to find something sexy for when Lamar comes. He's only coming for a day. And Courtney notices that Chloe needs a bikini wax. And Chloe's basically saying, you know, I pride myself on having everything perfect from head to toe. And of course, the one thing that I forget is a bikini wax. And they have this short conversation, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But what ends up happening is basically Courtney gives her the bikini wax. You guys know this, I would say, pretty memorable scene. But it all highlights how Chloe's entire focus is like on being, quote, perfect for Lamar. And like I said a second ago about watching Chloe watch Courtney, watching Courtney watch Chloe in this, and you could see how she's almost in disbelief that somebody who's married would operate like that. I loved watching. Also in your head, now that you're watching it in retrospect, you can really compare it to that scene with Courtney and Scott where Courtney's pregnant. She says she can't shave and Scott's like, I'll do it. I'll clean you up real nice. That was the first thing going through my mind. Because Chloe would never allow that to happen, but that is just such the perfect example of the difference between the way they operate, especially with Courtney as her and Scott had more kids and as they got more comfortable with each other. Yes, obviously the comfort level increased as they had more children, but there's a part of me that feels as though Courtney was like this on their first date. Like I just don't foresee Courtney ever having this mindset that Chloe had. Well, that's what I was just thinking about is is this just who Chloe is where no matter how long they've been together, she is just going to be specifically anal about the way she is presented specifically to her husband. I mean, also it's not just like in terms of her own body. Like she also is very clear about the OCD she has in terms of cleaning and keeping her house clean and anything that goes along with that. So I think that all plays into it. But the question is like, does she just not know Lamar? And that's why this level of comfort isn't there. And it's the best showcase of that. Or is this just who Chloe is and she could be 100% comfortable with Lamar, have been with him for years and years and years and still be like this? Obviously, I can't speak factually, but my feeling on it would be that this is just who she is. I, I genuinely don't think that it's a reflection of how short of a time she's known Lamar. I just see Chloe as somebody who's always like this. And by the way, like the most, I guess you could say the most intimate view I've had of a relationship in terms of that sense is like my parents. Obviously when you're a kid, you grow up in the house with your parents. And my mom was on the same end of the spectrum as Courtney, like the most comfortable one could possibly be. So that was what I grew up thinking was the norm. And so I actually remember watching this episode and obviously I didn't know these details about my parents' relationship, but just in general, the way that Chloe was approaching it, I remember thinking like, this isn't what marriage is supposed to be. And then as I've gotten older and I've seen some of my friends' relationships or people that I know more our age that have gotten married, I genuinely think a lot of times it can just be who you are as a person. And it's not a reflection of the way you feel about the other person. I really feel that way. It's funny because I would say like similar to what you were describing is how I would describe my parents as well. 
So even now at this age, like not even compared to then, like specifically now when I'm watching it, I was watching Chloe being like, that's not right. Again, who am I to judge? I'm not married. I don't know how I would act in that relationship. But just even now, based on my own experiences and what I've seen and what I've observed, I still thought the way Chloe was, was a little like a little too uncomfortable for what I would have expected in a marriage. But again, that could just be who she is. And it had nothing to do with her and Lamar and their relationship. You know, to be honest with you, just for one second, I know you don't try to like make it about our experiences, but I just am curious about your answer to this. When I was watching this, even given everything I just said, I can acknowledge the fact that I think in relationships, when it applies to just this one thing, like just the concept of allowing your partner to see you at times when you don't feel quote perfect, I am more the Chloe side of it. And I wish that I was more the Courtney side of it. And I think that as I've gotten older, I've definitely gotten more into the Courtney lens, but like, I don't think I've ever had a boyfriend, even long-term relationships when I've let them see me, you know, without a bikini wax or even, you know, how I am sometimes like my blowout, like shit like that. I wish I wasn't so like that, but I, I notice myself that I am. Well, I think there's absolutely a spectrum and there's an in-between the way Chloe was and the way Courtney was. And like specifically with you, I've seen you definitely get more comfortable, like in terms of your own spectrum of what you would allow, like in terms of first date to relationship, your level of comfort and what you would allow the other person to see absolutely changes over time. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're not Courtney, it's just your own, you're your own version of Courtney, which I think a lot of people do that in relationships. It's not like they have to go full comfort, nothing matters. They don't take care of themselves. It's just like they find their own level of comfort within that spectrum. And I think what it was with Chloe that really caught me off guard in this episode was not that she was like didn't want Lamar to see her without a bikini wax because I absolutely understand that. I think what caught me off guard was the level of embarrassment that she had when it came to that. Yes. You know what? That's what it was. You're right. It was more so her reaction to the thing, not the thing. Right. Like her, and she kind of says this at the end when she, you know, obviously Courtney burns her with the wax. And she says this at the end when she finally allows Lamar to see the burn And she's like, wow, how comforting is it that like Lamar says that he'll love me no matter what? Like, so that's what it was that really threw me off in this episode was it's not just like, this is how I prefer myself and this is how I want to keep it. It was the way that she was putting the other person or her husband's view of her as dependent on these things when it should have just been internal if that was the case. Right. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like in terms of the conversation we just had, That's the biggest distinction because I think with me, and I'm so curious what other people listening feel like about their own selves and their own relationships. I think that with me, it's a hundred percent an internal thing. I never think that like they would love me less or view me as less attractive. It's just a me thing really. So yeah, it's such a, it's, it's really like talk about now how this would translate into Chloe's dating life or just her relationships as she's gotten older. Because I do think as you get older, you naturally care less, but I wonder how much of this stayed with her. Like I would love to cite this episode and then ask her about, you know, can you compare this to your approach now currently? I I would love to know that. Yeah, me too. And by the way, I also wonder if any of the way that she's been burned in recent relationships has contributed to this particular part of herself, you know, because I could see a really unhealthy and unfortunate, like, mindset where, you know, you kind of put it on yourself of like, well, if only I looked better, this wouldn't have happened. Again, not true, not accurate, totally unhealthy. However, those thoughts can creep into your mind. Well, it's really interesting you say that because I think in terms of that conversation, 
especially when you compare it to the way that Lamar has spoken about his porn addiction, where I think a lot of the times there's that conversation about like what you're seeing in porn versus like what you're actually putting out. And I wonder for Chloe specifically, if that exact situation of just like, he's really addicted to porn is what I'm doing, not matching up to what he's viewing online rather than just like an addiction, something that caused her to spiral a little bit. Because I I would completely understand if that played a huge role in it. Like obviously he hurt her in so many different ways and, you know, hurt people hurt people, which is exactly, I think, her view of her relationship with Lamar and what happened in the end. But I do wonder if that specific element of it had a long-term effect on her. It's a really good point and something that I would be very curious about. And I would not put it past that happening in the slightest because, I mean, we talk about this a lot, like what can happen in those situations is you then become kind of like the co-addict, you know, in the sense of you are doing things then to feed into their addiction and to kind of up the ante. And I think a lot of times you can take that sense of shame or constant desire to like fulfill the other person out on yourself. And I, yes, I would not be surprised if some of it became internalized, which would be really unfortunate, but very realistic. Yeah. And just the one final point on that, because that can go into, you know, whatever the person's addiction is, or even if it's not an addiction, you know, whatever is going on with that other person, like you can take it out on yourself. I think specifically because one of his main vices was porn. And as we know, porn is like the most unrealistic thing ever that it just really heightened any sense that she would have had of taking it out on herself. That's exactly correct, I think. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So the other main plot of this episode, in addition to the difference between Courtney and Chloe and how they approach their relationships, is that Courtney just wants to explore her old self and just see if, you know, that can coexist with her new life as a mom. And so she decides that her friends are in town. She's going to go out for a drink. And long story short, she basically gets blackout drunk. And we don't have to go through all of the scenes, but the next day she's supposed to be going to the zoo with Mason and Scott. And she ends up going, she's super hungover. And in the pictures, she just looks really hungover. And she is so genuinely upset with herself. And her reasoning in being so upset is like, she doesn't want Mason to look back at these pictures and, you know, see her in this way, which 
is a very mom shame type of situation because I don't think that Mason would ever look back and think that. But the more interesting aspect, in my opinion, is like how absolutely livid she would have been if that were to be Scott. Yeah, well, that was my biggest takeaway, I think, from this whole thing was definitely not the fact that she was drinking or trying to have a good time. Like I thought that was completely normal and totally warranted, especially because it seemed like it really was one of the first times that she had done that since she had Mason. Although there was a slight editing mishap because in the previous episode, she is out and she makes a whole thing about how she hasn't drank, she hasn't gone out at all. So I just thought that was funny in terms of like timeline. But my biggest takeaway from the entire thing was just like, if Scott had been the one to show up so severely hungover to the zoo that they had to leave, it would have been a whole thing. Yes, Although in the scene when, you know, she's at the zoo and she's just really nauseous and he's like, okay, yeah, we'll leave. And he says, and I quote, all right, fine, we'll get out of here. Even though Mason wasn't ready yet, it just feels like you wasted a special day. (laughs) I wanted to be like, you do not get to comment. Totally. Although I will say I was proud of him for not pulling out the, if this was me card. Yes. Cause that would have been, that was the lowest hanging fruit. And also like when you're Scott, you don't want to go there. Like you don't want to go through all of the times that it has been you. (laughs) exactly it's like strictly from a strategy perspective that was not the smartest move I also thought it was funny when she was saying like oh my god I do not want Mason to look back on these pictures of me at the zoo and think his mom is some like hungover mess like if I was going through old pictures and it was like me as a baby at the zoo and my mom was like you have no idea how severely hungover I was here I would be like that is the coolest thing ever yeah, but and also she, he would never have been able to differentiate again in this hypothetical world that Mason is looking at these photos from the zoo and trying to figure out why Corny looks the way she does. Like, let's just abandon reality for a second and, and talk about that. If that were the case, he would probably just assume that she was exhausted from having a baby. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there were giving Mason's future Mason so much credit here. It was all just the shame that was she didn't need to be putting on herself, but was putting on herself. I also could totally envision a scenario where Mason's going through them and Scott's the one that's like, oh my God, mom was so hungover (laughs) on this day. I know. I think also, I don't know how much this factors in, but as a result of kind of what Scott was going through, Courtney really had to be like the responsible parent. Not that she wouldn't have been regardless, but her kind of commitment to like that role, I'm sure increased as his capabilities decreased. And so she probably also felt a certain attachment to that role, you know? Oh, totally. Also, it was nice to see Scott in that role though, because this whole season is kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of Scott's behavior. So you get like pretty good behavior and sometimes you get, okay, things he's done questionable, but you're always waiting for it to like go severely downhill. And this episode, you got to see Scott really enjoy taking Mason to the zoo, not making any comments to Courtney about like, why do they need to be here? It's not even like he knows what's happening. Like he was so happy and excited to be there and have this experience with Mason. So it was nice to see that when you're kind of sitting there being like, okay, I know that Scott's going to fuck up so badly soon. Let me just enjoy these moments while we have them. Yeah, we really have to hold on to them tight. Yeah, we really do. (laughs) I know. Anyway, so in terms of the ending of the other plot line of this episode, which is the Chloe and Lamar thing, Lamar finally gets there and they're in his hotel room. They're so excited to see each other and she's kind of acting a little squeamish and he catches on like, you know, what's going on? And she basically says, don't make fun of me, but I tried to get a bikini wax to look perfect for you and I ended up making it worse in the process. And she's genuinely embarrassed. Like I know- A lot of this stuff is dramatized. I genuinely believe this is exactly how the conversation would have gone down if there were no cameras there. 
Oh, I do too. And she basically shows him for a second and like he could not make her feel more comfortable. He keeps telling her that she's perfect and he's so in love with her and it's a complete non-factor, which I do genuinely believe was calming for her in that moment. But honestly, like when I was watching this, even however many years later, you can feel her anxiety in this moment. Oh, you totally can. And the thing that I thought was interesting is when she finally shows him and he calms her down and he's like, this is such a non-issue. She's in so much pain. And it was so interesting to me that like her bigger anxiety was in terms of him seeing it and not the fact that like it was would have been painful for her to do anything regardless. Like she didn't even bring up that point. I know. I think that she was genuinely so focused on like the aesthetics of it. Right. So that's kind of where that episode ends. We go right into the next episode. We start out in the Chloe After Dark radio station and she's interviewing the current Miami police chief kind of because she has this current fascination with serial killers and she really ideally would love to interview one. And Michael Yo, the producer, is saying, that's unrealistic, but I can get you the next best thing, which is a forensic psychiatrist. And so I'm going to mention all of that now because the entire episode kind of centers around things that she learned from speaking to this forensic psychiatrist when she goes to Chicago and how some of the traits this woman is describing in her mind are actually kind of descriptive of Scott. That's what I wanted to be, a forensic psychiatrist. I know. I honestly think you would have been so good at it. I would have loved to have slices of John Wayne Gacy's brain that she was showing Chloe in this episode. That was insane. Was that real? I don't think so. There's no way, right? Or is it? I I can't imagine it being real. Like I, I could imagine it being somebody's brain that they dramatized for the show. I can't imagine it was actually John Wayne Gacy's brain that they were showing Chloe for an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But crazier things have happened. Not even Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Courtney and Chloe take Miami. Well, the only reason that I was so surprised was because it was just in like a Ziploc bag. I, I, yeah, I don't. I, I I didn't make it far enough to learn how brains are like preserved, but I assume it's not Ziploc baggies. Yeah, I mean, if it were though, that's almost like an maybe it was a Ziploc product placement ad. That's like the funniest thought you could have based on what was shown to us. Anyway, so the second plot of this episode, we're not going to do this one really scene by scene because it's easier and I think better for you guys if we just more so talk about it. But the second plot line is that because Chloe is now going to Chicago to interview this woman and Courtney is going to go with her, Scott is left alone in Miami. And so Scott's friends get there from New York. They're visiting. And it's there's this one really funny moment where they're basically asking Scott where Courtney is. And he's like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but they're in Chicago because Chloe has this real interest in serial killers. Like it's, it sounded like complete bullshit if you didn't actually know what was going on. Oh, it sounded like he made the entire thing up. But if you know Chloe, then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right. But anyway, so Scott walks into Dash with his friends and you can just tell like these guys think they are the coolest things in the entire world. One, for being on the show. Two, for being friends with Scott, because at this time, you know, he's with Kourtney Kardashian. She's on the rise. And especially in front of the Dash dolls, like it was just, I'm sure that these men look back on this episode and do nothing but cringe. I don't know if they do. I would hope they would. I can't give them too much credit in saying that they would look back on this episode and cringe. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because it was just such... It was like, I know we're making a lot of frat references this week, but it really was like the kid that just got into the frat and feels so cool that he can like get the girls in through the door. Well, I was going to say, Scott's like, these are my friends from New York. And I was like, Scott, 
Specify that these are Long Island boys. Julie, phenomenal clarification. Thank you. Yeah, that's like imperative to understanding this episode. Completely. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. So the backstory here is that, as you know, Scott's been working on this club and it's going to be opening night. And so his friends invite the Dash Girls. And it's so interesting because we know that Courtney specifically told Scott to not invite them. And even though he technically wasn't the one that invited them, he did nothing to intervene. But in their confessionals, like one of the girls, she's saying, you know, listen, I don't know if we really should go, but saying no would be a little bit rude and we don't want to be on Courtney's bad side. Whereas Courtney is the one that specifically doesn't want them there. So whether that was her completely bullshitting and just using that as an excuse because she had a feeling Courtney wouldn't be down with it, or if she genuinely thinks that's the right move, it doesn't really matter because it's not on them. Like no part of this was their fault. It was completely on Scott's friends for kind of crossing that boundary. But just the interpretation of the situation was so interesting how on different pages they were. Yeah, of course. And totally on Sky. I mean, 100%. Because also, the friends say, let's go down and see the store. Like, they had only been to the one that was in Calabasas, and they wanted to check out the situation. It was obviously set up just so that they could invite them to this thing. But it's not like Scott said to them, listen, don't invite these girls. Courtney already told me. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Yeah, and also, what did he think was going to happen when he brought his friends into the store? Like, If he didn't brief them, of course they were going to invite them. It would have been so weird to the plot if they didn't, you know? Right. Anyway, so they end up going to Scott's suite later to pregame. And the whole thing is very uncomfortable. Like, I understand a lot of this was set up for the plot. But just in general, when I was thinking about this happening, like if it wasn't on the show and if it wasn't necessarily the Kardashians, like it's a really bizarre situation because basically what you have here is your girlfriend and the mother of your child's employees coming to hang out at the place that you stay with her to drink with your friends when she's out of town, specifically knowing she's not down for it. Like Not that there was anything going on between Scott and any of them, but it's just inappropriate. Severely inappropriate. And something I noticed about Scott in this episode where like, we always say this about him where there's just like kind of two different Scots always at work. And in this episode, I felt like you really saw them conflict with each other. So when his friends first get there, they say to him like, are we drinking? And he's like, I have my coffee. And they're like, you have to take a shot, like whatever. And then he says in his confession, like if my friends are going to be drinking, like they didn't come here to drink alone. 
And then in this scene, he's really quiet when the Dash girls get there. And you can tell that he's really taken by surprise to see them there. I guess like the friends had exchanged numbers and invited them. And he's really uncomfortable. Like he doesn't know what to do. And one of his friends calls him out and is like, look at like Mr. Goody Two-Shoes sitting over there being all quiet. And as soon as he gets that call out and as soon as his friends egg him on a little bit, he like jumps right into action. Like something clicks right in his head and he like turns into Party Scott. Yeah. And it's there's two things that are happening. I think one, it's like a bruise to his ego of like, oh my God, these guys can't think that I'm a fucking loser, number one. And then second of all, there's an actual chemical reaction happening because the alcohol just makes him act differently. So it's a combination of the two. Right. Anyway, so they get to the club and it's this very kind of uncomfortable situation. You can tell everybody's drunk and one of his friends kind of like grabs one of the Dash employees and kisses her. And somebody makes a comment, like, did you even get her number? And Scott chimes in and is like, yeah, he did. He got it on the back of a business card. It says hooker. And it was just so uncalled for. It was, you know, it wasn't that dissimilar from the episode when they were in Vegas, the night when he put the money in the waiter's mouth, the way that he was treating the woman that Rob was with. It was just, it's disgusting. And like, my thing is like, I understand that alcohol can make you act in a way that you wouldn't normally act, but it's like, who even has that thought? Again, clearly a pattern of behavior because it's something that he's said often. He just always manages to cross the line when he's drinking too much. And I think obviously there were other stuff at play here too with Scott in terms of his partying, but it changes his entire personality. Like Scott is one of the things about him and it's one of the things that Chloe really latches on to in this episode in terms of thinking he's a sociopath is that he is this incredibly charismatic guy. And I think that it is truly who he is like 99% of the time. I think he just is that charismatic, but it almost seems like when he's drunk, it's like, I'm going to drop the act now. Right. Or when you say act though, because to me, it's not that his charisma necessarily leaves. It's like his general sense of manners. Right. You know? Yeah, it's just, it's very strange. Like you literally watch him in these scenes and a switch just flips. And I think that's one of the reasons that Courtney tends to be a little lenient with him, especially when he's drunk, is because she really holds on to the fact of like, this isn't who he is. Yeah, and and I and I do understand how that can happen. But it's like when somebody repeatedly does this, you have to question, well, or is it, you know? And I understand there's like a lot of denial that goes on. I also want to mention, you can cut this out if you want me to, but like when we were doing the Vegas episode, a couple of people messaged us and were like, I know you guys were saying alcohol doesn't, you know, make you act that way. There were definitely things at play. He was definitely on Coke. Realistically, the chances are very likely. I don't think we want to necessarily say it because we can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but yes, of course we were thinking that as well. Do you think that's fine to say, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we're, we were all thinking it. I'm not saying anything for sure. I'm just saying, yeah, of course we had that thought process. I mean, you can see it in his eyes though. I know. No, I know. But obviously that would never have been shown on the show. Oh, of course not. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're on E here. <laughs> anyway, so- I hope they do coke on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> so Katie is obviously upset. She goes to the bathroom. She's crying and Scott kind of takes it upon himself to go in there and you know he has to explain to her, I obviously don't think you're a prostitute. I know you work hard for your money. And, you know, she's basically saying, like, I don't know if his apology is sincere, but I know that he doesn't want to be in trouble with Courtney. So they all kind of leave. But one of the comments that one of the Dash employees, Jackie, says to Katie is the fact that he took the time to come in the ladies room and apologize is a lot. And for even a guy in general to apologize, guys don't apologize. It's like the continual messaging of just like 
the bar being so low throughout this show is really, really concerning. I really wanted to pull Jackie to the side and be like, listen, there's a lot of times on this show that the bar is low, but I think that we really need to have a talk. Yeah. It's like, I wish you watched Housewives. I can make a Giselle Bryan reference right now. But yeah, it's really like sad for for them. (laughs) Well, I don't know how many people watch. It's just, no, because we were talking about how um, Jamal Bryan, who's Giselle's, you know, ex-husband, like, was cheating on her consistently. And she was talking about it with her friend. And she basically said, you know, I've come to the realization that if you stay with a man long enough, he's going to cheat on you. And she wasn't saying it to be funny. Like that's genuinely what she has learned to believe, probably informed by her experiences. And I was saying to Isabel in the episode, like, it's so upsetting that, you know, she's such a seemingly self-respecting woman in so many aspects of her life. Yet when it comes to men, it's almost like a free pass because she just assumes that that's the norm. And it's, it's just sad more than anything, you know? Right. Totally. I wish Jackie in this moment when she made that comment about how men don't apologize was standing next to Courtney because Courtney would be like, I get an apology every single second of every single day from Scott. Right. I know, which is honestly maybe even more problematic. Right. (laughs) Anyway, so Courtney and Chloe get back. The apartment's a total mess, obviously. And it's kind of like all hell breaks loose basically because they find out from the Dash employees that they went out with Scott. Courtney's obviously pissed because she specifically asked him not to do this. And when she when she confronts him about it, it's just it's just all so typical. Yeah, I mean, you and I were kind of laughing about this before, where she walks into Scott and she's like, "Is there anything you want to tell me?" And he's like, "No," and she's like, "So you weren't going to tell me that you went out with my Dash employees, even though I specifically told you not to?" And he was like, "Well, you didn't specifically ask." And she was like, "Why would I specifically ask you? Did you go out with my employees that I told you not to? And did you also happen to bring them to our apartment?" Right. And you want to know what's so crazy about this? hypothetically speaking, if he didn't do that and Courtney did ask, think about how defensive and how upset he would have gotten that she would be accusing him of such a thing. Right. Exactly. I mean, that line of, well, you didn't specifically ask. I was like, Courtney has a lot of patience with this guy because I would have just fucking lost it there. Yeah. that That's where you lost me. A lot of his other justifications I can maybe get behind, but that is like, Look me in the eye and say that one more time. And I want you to evaluate the seriousness with what you just said, because I know you can't believe that that's a real statement that can be made. Also, this was exactly one of those scenarios where Scott could have avoided all of this by texting Courtney and saying, listen, I'm so sorry. We went to go stop in the store. My friends invited them and I didn't really know what to say, but I'm letting you know ahead of time that it, it wasn't my fault. And Courtney may have been mad, but at least she would have gotten that heads up and been like, wow, look at Scott really stepping up and like being honest with me. And he would have saved himself so much in the long run. He never learned the art of that. Right. Because now she's mad at two things. She's mad at the actual act of it happening. And then she's also mad at the fact that he didn't tell her. So it's like, you could have saved yourself on one of them. Right. Courtney clearly got to the point with him because they have this fight. And in the end, she's like, whatever. And Courtney clearly gets to the point with Scott, as you can clearly see where it's like, I'm not going to leave him, but I'm also not going to be his babysitter. And I'm not going to have to sit here and continuously punish him for the things that he did because I don't want that to be my role. So while Chloe is kind of like, Courtney just goes so easy on Scott. She lets him get away with anything. She doesn't put her foot down. I think with Courtney, it's just like, it's exhausting and it's enough. And if I'm not going to make the decision to be done, then this is the decision and the way I have to handle things. Totally. And how much of that is informed or influenced by you know, Mason being born, I don't really know because on one hand, you you know, it makes it easier for her to say like, listen, 
now this is the most important person in my life and I can walk away from you. So I do understand that argument. At the same time though, like she does not want to raise him as a single parent. And so potentially she is more willing to deal with some of Scott's shit because she's happy to have him around in general. Like I don't really know what's going through her mind fully. I also think at this point, she's very pleased with Scott's role as a father. Totally. And and because he, he has been, you know, a very attentive father. Right. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Anyway, so Chloe and Courtney are at Dash and Chloe is talking to Courtney about Ted Bundy and just looking into different traits of a sociopath. By the way, what a transition there. Yeah, I never really thought we would be doing an episode where you would go, and Courtney and and Chloe are at Dash talking about Ted Bundy. (laughs) That just really came out of left field. I heard it come out of my mouth, and I was like, wait a damn minute. Anyway. (laughs) That is so funny. (laughs) Anyway, so Chloe is telling Courtney basically that she had this realization when she was learning about sociopaths that she thinks it could be Scott. And she says, and I quote, they feel entitled to everything, lack of remorse, shame, or guilt, Need for stimulation, living on the edge, verbal outbursts, and physical punishments are normal. And, you know, she also says to Courtney, poor work ethic, but exploits others effectively. And Courtney says, How does he have poor work ethic? And she goes, What? The more I read this, the more I'm convinced he has issues. (laughs) The one thing I want to comment on here is that Chloe says, like, a list of just terrible characteristics that you would never want in a person that you're dating. And Courtney's only response is, like, Come on, he doesn't have bad work ethic. And that was like the one that he so clearly did have up until kind of going to Miami. Yeah, it was really interesting how that's kind of what she clung on to. Yeah. And also, listen, I don't think Scott's a sociopath. I definitely don't think he is anymore. But there were some points being made with some traits that were listed along the way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the outbursts, a lot of the seeming lack of remorse only when presented in punishment style, you know, but I don't think he's a sociopath. I just think he was incredibly immature and misguided and also was dealing obviously with the substance abuse problem. Yeah. And a little bit selfish on top of all of that. It had a lot, this episode had a lot of the energy of when a TikTok or Twitter diagnoses you with something. Yes. Yes. That's a great analogy. Thank you. So next scene, Chloe and Courtney are doing a shoot for Quick Trim, which We've had this conversation a million times before, just like the nature of some of these endorsements and how they even ever agree to those, but fine. 
So Scott's there because he still works with the co-owner. And Keith, who's one of the co-owners, says to Scott that Courtney looks awesome. And he's kind of like bragging to him about Courtney looking so good just after giving birth, meaning Scott bragging to Keith, which there's a separate part of this, which we'll get into in 30 seconds. But I hated that. Like That's the shit that makes me squirm. Yeah, it made my skin crawl. I just hate it. It's like, what? She had a kid. Like She just birthed a child. Her journey with her weight is just only something for her to think about if she even wants to and definitely not something for these two men to be commenting on while she's in a bikini like i just hate it yeah it was it was not chill it was actually really disgusting it was right yeah you got the same vibe oh totally but anyway so in scott's bragging he makes a comment like doesn't she look so good only two months ago that she had the baby and chloe responds you know how old your son is it was three months ago and Keith kind of defends Scott saying, no, he knows. And Chloe's response is, he doesn't know. Do you always hire sociopaths? Keith goes, not generally, occasionally though. And now Chloe's reminding Keith what happened in Vegas with the waiter. And it's kind of this really uncomfortable dynamic because they're in this group and Chloe is effectively telling Scott's boss all of the things wrong with him, reminding him all of his really unpleasant behavior. And Scott basically pulls Courtney aside and is like, she can't keep attacking me in front of my boss. It's unprofessional. It's tacky. It's cheap and it doesn't look good for anybody. I get enough shit outside of the family and inside the family. This is the last thing I need for it to be fucking my work day. I'm going to tell you one thing. Chloe wasn't wrong about what she was saying, but Scott was 100% right in being pissed that she did it in this way. Oh, absolutely. Also, listen, I do think that at this point in this episode, and you definitely see it in the next scene, Scott has gotten very good about not reacting to Chloe, especially in inappropriate moments. And he really kept his cool here, even though you could tell he was fuming. And it was kind of like, okay, enough with these sociopath comments. You've been making them all week. And it's just like, at a certain point, it's not funny. The issue with Chloe is that she always just takes it too far. Like, it's not fun it's not enjoyable at a certain point. And that's not to say that Scott doesn't in a lot of regards. There's a lot of things Scott does where he does not know where the line is. But Chloe's version of revenge in this specific scenario is also something that could have affected Courtney. Like had Keith been like, you know what, you're right. Like this is really unprofessional. Like I don't, I can't have this in my work and my place of business and kind of taken it out on Scott. Like that screws over Courtney in the end. Yeah, and you know, it's so true. And I think there's like two things at play here. One is just obviously Chloe is also a little bit immature. They were all young at this time, you know, and it's very evident here. But I think secondly, it probably speaks to the comfort that they have always been accustomed to in the sense of like, okay, hypothetically speaking, Scott did lose his job. Chloe's not thinking about like, well, what would happen? Her mindset is like, they'd be fine. You know what I mean? Not that she even went that far to to get there. Like she wasn't thinking he was actively going to lose his job. However, based on the way that they were raised, I just don't believe that that's something that's her first mindset, whereas it probably would be for somebody that wasn't raised in that same environment, you know? Oh, absolutely. Anyway, so the final scene, Courtney and Chloe are there with Mason. And again, this is another example of Chloe kind of taking it too far because Mason's being a little fussy. And Chloe says like, what's wrong with you? Because your daddy's a sociopath that freaks you out too. And Scott's like, Chloe, say whatever you want to me. Don't say it to my child. And they just get into this really ugly back and forth. And probably the worst of it all is when Courtney walks away because Mason's getting upset. He's you know, starting to cry. And Chloe goes, oh, come on, Scott. He's upset that you're his father. Oof. Takes it too far. Like too far. 
it's just, it's also unenjoyable as the viewer at a certain point, because especially at this point in time, you're like, do not make me defend Scott. Like, don't make me do something that I don't want to do. And Chloe just puts you in a position where you're like, how am I supposed to be mad at the other party here when you're the one that's exacerbating the situation? Right. And I also think that if you're looking at it through the lens of how does this impact Courtney, you can't help but just be frustrated as a viewer because this is so deeply unpleasant for Courtney. It's like worst case scenario for her. Right. Exactly. And Scott kind of ends finally really losing it at Chloe and saying like, if you honestly think I'm a serial killer, then why are you fucking with me? Like, wouldn't I be the wrong person to fuck with? And I was like, you know what? You bring up some points, Scott. (laughs) I know. I was like, that was kind of a crazy thing to say, but also that's not wrong. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, how much do you really believe this? Let's test your theory. That is the part of Scott where like, even when he's angry and he throws out a line like that, I'm like, you can't, you can't even not be funny when you're being serious. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. This like randomly was a good episode or I guess a good two episodes. I thought so too. Yeah. No, I had fun. Um, anything else you would like to mention? I think that's it, kid. I think so too. We love you guys. Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. Julie and I will see you next week. And thanks for letting us do this. We feel so lucky. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.